0: Praise the Lord. It's so good to see all your beautiful faces. I hope you had a good weekend. (laughs) Quiet crowd. How many ate good? How many ate naughty? You just, you know, you just forget it. I'm just going to throw the towel in and eat whatever I want. (laughs) Well, it's so good to see all of you. I am so excited about our church and what God is doing, and I just want to make an announcement of something that I'm going to be starting right away um, and start working on. But if you remember when I shared the vision of the first of the year, one of the things that was in my spirit strong was to start a group of um, young adults, 18 to 28-year-old. So I just want you to know that I'm going to start gathering. If you are 18 to 28 years old, we are starting a ministry just for you. And we're going to gather you. And so you. I'm going to do an event called A Night with PB. So you young people get a night with me. How cool is that? I will show you that your pastor is cool and I can be cool. Um, but really what I want to do... <laughs> I know I'm far removed, but I'm still a lot of fun. I was told I was still a lot of fun, so praise the Lord. I'll take that as long as I can take it, but uh, I want to do a night with you, and we want to talk with you. We want to find out what's in your heart for church, what what would you love to see, um, and I want you to know that I see you, God sees you, and uh, we really want to find your place in the body of Christ. We think that's incredibly important in this hour, amen? So if you fall in that, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to be 18, but if you kind of fall in that 29 whatever we might make a little pass for you but anyway so I'm super excited about that I am on week three of heaven's perspective and I have enjoyed this teaching studying and I have enjoyed teaching it uh, as I hope you have been also and I just have to stop here a uh, Joshua Dorte I think it's Joshua right Josh um, I looked over you this morning and I saw the hand of the Lord on your life and there's a call of God on your life and the Holy Spirit's starting to stir you and he's starting to quicken you and awaken you on the inside. And I just hear the Lord say, draw near to him right now. This is a draw near to him season. Um, take the word of God and allow the word of God. Just begin to you know, study the word of God. Get your notebook because God's gonna align your life to a call of God that's in your life. And I don't know if you feel like a square peg in a round hole in life. But God says you're going to find your place, you're going to find your purpose, and it's going to bring you the joy of your life. So the Lord says just get ready because he's highlighting you, okay? I just couldn't pass without saying that to him. And I know I saw Chad said something. I don't know if anything I said confirmed what you spoke to him. But um, anyway, God's so good. Amen. So if you have missed the first two weeks of Heaven's Authority, please, I beg you, go listen online. This is really a building teaching of of building blocks, of really learning your authority in Christ Jesus. And in week one, we talked about you have to have a revelation of your God-given authority. If you don't have a rhema or an understanding of what the Bible says about your spiritual authority, you really can't be active in walking in that authority. And we talked about two things. Your power is this, and I think we have it for the screen, but your power is this, it's your ability to act. Every one of you has the power of God living on the inside of you. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit consumed you and he's given you dunamis power to activate miracles in your life. But authority is this, authority is your right to act. And that's the difference. You can have all the power in you, but if you don't know you have a right or how to how to exercise your authority, you'll never move in all the abundance God's called you to walk into. We're talking about mountain moving faith, amen. Things that change atmospheres, mountain levels are mountain in your life. Joy comes in your life. Your children come back to Jesus. That's the kind of authority that I'm trying to give the revelation of who you are, that you can walk in that. Um, we talked about last week understanding your position of authority. and I would honestly encourage you to watch that one because I did a very simple illustration, but really teaching you from the natural realm to the spiritual realm, and how do we bring from the spiritual realm into the natural realm? And I really believe that will help you go back to point one of getting a revelation of your authority in Christ. So today we're going to move on. and number one for today's message is this: you have to know, know the supreme authority of the Lord. Number one today, knowing the supreme authority of the Lord. Now, I want to say Lord. Everybody say Lord. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about you. We're going to go back, and we're going to go back to the supreme authority, which is the Lord. Amen? Because that is where authority begins. It begins with the Lord, the Lord God Almighty and the Lord God that sits on the throne today. Amen. The all-powerful God that we serve. So I want to really go back to his position of authority or who he is, because who the Lord is gave that authority to Jesus, and Jesus gave that authority to us. But it all starts with the Lord, And that's why it's important when the scripture talks about the fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean that I'm afraid of this you know, mean God that's going to judge me. It's a posture of reverence, of knowing who he is, the, the God that we serve that sits on the throne in all power and authority. When you know the Lord's position of authority, there's a humility that takes place and a, a submission to his presence and a reverence to his presence. I think maybe that's a little lost uh, art in the church of Jesus Christ today. We have forgotten about the Lord and making him the Lord of our life, the supreme authority of our life. All the benefits of grace, praise the Lord. I'm so glad we have grace. I'm so glad all that Jesus did for us. But we need to go back to make him the Lord of our life, the kingship of our life. When he is the Lord of our life, there's a conviction in our heart. When we know his, and I'm going to break it down for you in scripture, but when you have a a revelation of the Lord and where he sits, there is a troubling of your heart for the things that trouble him. Things that you used to get away with, the Holy Spirit's like, you're not going to get away with that anymore. It's so beautiful. We come to Jesus as we are. How many are so thankful? We came in all of our ugliness, all of our brokenness, and we should. But when we get a revelation of him being Lord, we don't want to sin anymore. I don't wanna compromise anymore. I'm not gonna be perfect, but there's a righteousness on the inside of me that says I can't be the person I was even last year. I have to have a troubling heart of the righteousness and the conviction of God in my life. And if we're living outside of his lordship, we are not walking in the authority God's called us to walk into. Because we haven't, and I'm going to show you, we have to be submitted to the lordship in obedience and in honor to really walk in reverence authority. It's kind of going backwards, isn't it? but going back to the lordship of Christ. So I want to go back and share a story. Um, You don't put it up yet, but out of Exodus. And we find in this part of the story that the Israelites had been, they were always in captivity, those poor Israelites. They're wandering or in some kind of captivity. But for four centuries, they were living in Egyptian captivity. And near the end of that time, Moses, who was called to lead the children of Israel out of that captivity, he fled Egypt and and lived in Midian for 40 years. And what happened during that time, God came and visited Moses, and he visited Moses in such a supernatural way. You know, the Bible says that there was a a bush that was consumed with a burning fire. How many would think that'd be so awesome? You're standing there, you know, in a bushfire, and all of a sudden, the voice of God comes out of that fire. That's pretty crazy, but this is what happened. And I believe the Lord was revealing himself in a way that he had not revealed himself yet on earth with dominion, power, and authority. And so Moses is standing before this burning bush and Moses asks God for his name. He said, what is your name? What do I tell the people when I go back? Who do I say sent me? And this is so powerful. Let's look at Exodus 3.14. God, the Lord said to him, I am who I am. See, we have to go back to the fundamental foundation of who God is. He said, I am, I am the great I am. There is no other before me, and there's no other after me. I am the supreme authority on earth. I created heaven, and I created earth, and I am the one that has full dominion control on the earth. How many are so glad we serve a God that is the great I am? Now, I want you to see that he is the Lord who sits on the throne and he says, I am. That means he is the king above every king on this earth. He is the Lord above every lord on this earth. And what I believe he was trying to establish here on earth, let's go on to read. He said, tell them I am sent me to you. And this was a different presentation of who God was in this minute because if you look at the, um, the power and weight of the name I am, you have to go back and look at, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of teaching here. We're not going to go deep, but it's called the Egyptian Pantheon. And what that means is the Israelite nation lived under temples dedicated to deities. We know there were idols, right? And those idols had certain um, names. They had faces. um, They had different birth stories, different death stories. And when when they were built as that idol, that idol had a name, and it had territorial rights attached to that idol. So what happened was there was a little dominion authority given to that idol. So let me give you an example. The goddess Isis was one of them. Isis or Isis, I'm not sure. And that, that idol or deity had dominion over women, children, and medicine. So it was a dominion control of that area. So they had a little bit of rights, right? Her name identified her with specific characteristics, and she held um, sway only over a few elements of life. So you've got these deities and idols that had a name, and they had rights to what their names were, and they practiced the rights of that deity or that idol's name. And God was coming to say, no longer are we going to look to the deity of these idols that have dominion right. Now, I am the God, I am erases all dominion deities that you're used to seeing, and I am the God of all gods. Cause you have to remember their perspective was they were around idols. That's what they knew. They were around the Egyptian idols. They knew what each one stood for. They they knew what was practiced. And God says, those idols have to bow their knee. Remember, we learned that to my name. So the Lord says, I am, say I am. So whatever you're facing in your life, we've learned the succession. We're so glad that we identified Jesus, gave us dominion authority. But go a step higher, right? We're going looking up to heaven, heaven's perspective. And the Lord sits on the throne and says, I have, I'm all powerful. I'm all knowing. I'm all present in your life. That's a strong power in our life, isn't it? So prior to this moment with Moses, the Israelites called their God. This is what they called God. This was so powerful when I studied it. Maybe it's not an aha moment for you, but I will tell you it was for me. God, they called God this. They called him Elohim. We're familiar with that, aren't we? Or El. We know El. Um, Also goes to the name El Shaddai. Those refer to titles, and that's something that we have to be careful with because God is not bringing us to titles to know him. He's bringing us to relationship. So we can go, oh, I serve God. I love the Lord. And we're calling God more by titles than who he is. He said to Moses, who, Moses asked, who do I say sent me? I am He's like, I want you to know who I am, not by my title, but by who I am. Isn't that incredible? And they're translated often as God Almighty. So when God gives a name for his people to call him, he conveys it his dominion over all things. So he's not just Lord, no, he is the I am, and that's the all-encompassing everything. He's all-powerful, omnipotent. He's all-knowing, he's omniscient. He's everywhere at all times, all-present, omnipresent. That is the, the position of the lordship of Christ, amen? So the source of his power and his eternal nature is found in I am. So when you say the power and authority that you walk into, I walk in the power of the great I am. Woo, that puts another whole spin on it, doesn't it? Because we may see insignificant to the cross because all we see on the cross was maybe our sins that were nailed there. But when I see the great I am is the lordship of my life, I can walk in power, I can walk in authority, I can walk in righteousness, I can deal with sin and compromise, I can put the enemy under my feet. Why? Because I serve the great I am. I have the Lord over my life. Can you see how powerful that is? So that authority comes from the great I am and given to Jesus. And we learned the last couple of weeks was given to us. So I want you to look at a couple more positional authorities from heaven that the Lord stands from. Acts 749. I love this. This is so powerful. It says, the Lord said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. That's a pretty almighty God. He sits in the throne, the great I am, and his feet are on the earth. That is the powerful God that we serve. When I was uh, younger, I think early days of ministry, maybe mid-ministry, I had a dream, and some of you have heard this dream before, but I had this dream, and I'm going to cut it short. I went down this long hallway, and I faced this doorway, and uh, there was an angel standing there, and uh, they opened up the doorway. Before I went in, the angel said to me, "Um, you're going to see angels when you get in there, and when you see them, they're not going to talk to you, uh, but you can talk to them. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. So I opened up the door, and it was this giant uh, gymnasium, and it was empty. And so I'm just kind of walking through, and I noticed there was two other double doors, but they were shut. And so I was just walking around this gymnasium, and all of a sudden, out of the, it was like, it was here, but then the supernatural opened up. And this angel came down like this at me. It was like this beautiful angel face. It wasn't male or female. It was just this beautiful angel. And it took me by surprise, and I'm like, well, hi there. How many know like in your dreams you're still yourself. It's not like you turn into somebody different. And I'm like, "Well, hi there." And the angel said, "Hi." And and all of a sudden there was this beautiful presence of God and these doors opened up. The other set of doors just flung open. And I saw these rolling meadows, just beautiful. I never went through the doors. I wanted to, but in my dream I never went through the doors. And I saw trees and I just saw these rolling meadows and it was beautiful. And I looked off into the distance and I'm like, I'm looking for the temple of God. Like I'm looking for him, you know, and I forgot like heaven is his throne. I'm like looking for this building, but God isn't in a building. Amen. He, heaven is his, is his throne. And so, but I remember looking out there and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say this. He said, I have put a word in your mouth. And when he did, my jaw became unhinged, you know, like a cartoon character, and my mouth went really big. And the whole time it's happening, I'm like, oh my gosh, my mouth is so big. I'm like, I know it's big, but it's really big right now. And this ray from heaven, I'm at the throne room, the ray from the throne room came straight out of the throne room and it began to go down my mouth and I began to devour this word of God. That's the Lord I'm talking about. There's this powerful Lord of heaven and he's not a respecter of person, so this isn't just something special for, for me. No, the Lord is the great I am. He is so powerful. And when you know the God that you're served, the devil can't touch you. He He can't touch your stuff. He has no right to your children. He has no right to your finances because I serve the great I am. But we're living out here. We're running this little race out of his lordship. And he's like, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, hang on. Oh my gosh. I think it's next. So I'm just going to hang on. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. God who made the world and everything in it God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell in temples made with hands. Woo! He made heaven and earth, and he doesn't dwell in, in natural temples, but where does he dwell now? You. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple where the spirit of the Lord dwells. You have the great I am living in you. You have all power, authority in you. And that we we let that power be lulled to sleep and we keep it quiet instead of stepping in through the grace of Jesus Christ under the lordship of the great I am and exercise the spirit of God coming out of your mouth. We need to get sewed back into this authority of kingship, back from the great I am, back into the grace of God, and now exercising it in and out of your mouth, amen? So, so what do we see? Jesus himself had to submit to the lordship of his father. In order for the eterni- earthly ministry to take place, Jesus himself had to submit under his father's authority, and we see that all through scripture. So Jesus is showing us that submission to the lordship of Jesus is where authority is exercised in our life. So let's look at this, John 15 verse Excuse me, John 5 verse 19. <laughs> says this, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, The son can do nothing by himself. He does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. So Jesus only did what the father told him to do. He was all man, and we know that, and all God. But the man part of him said, I will do nothing outside of the lordship of my father. If my father says go, I will go if my father says don't go i won't go but how many of us and i'm speaking to the choir make decisions outside of the lordship of god we're not doing what the Father said to do. We don't, we're not lining our lives up with the Word of God. And we're out here like the children of Israel held in captivity, bowing to the dominion um, demons of this world, the idols of this world, walking in fear and confusion, and said are coming under the Lordship. God, what does your Word say? If your Word says it, then I'm going to do it. If your Word says don't do it, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I can only align up to what my Father says I should do and what I shouldn't do. And we can have a little bit of fruit in our life. How many has had some good things in your life? But I'm talking about heaven, perspective, dominion, authority. That when you speak to a demon in someone's life, they have to go. When you show up, and you just show up with God and you know your authority. That demon in that person has no power over you. I was standing in our back office, this was a long time ago, and this woman came in and I knew her, you know, I knew her. And um, she doesn't go here, so don't worry. And uh, she came in the back door and she was a very, very tall woman. And uh, we're standing there talking, and all of a sudden I just felt this demon spirit rise up in her. And she wanted to hurt me. I, could just, I just knew it because that demon in her hated me. And um, all of a sudden she's standing, she's real stiff. And I'm here by myself in the back office, and she's just, she was, I wanna hurt you so bad. She was, but I can't. And I'm like, I know you can't. Why? Because I'm under the lordship of Jesus. I didn't even have to bind. I didn't have to loose when you know who you serve. You know the great I am. The enemy has no right to talk to you, hurt you, harm you when you're under the submission of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful I had the Lord. She'd have beat the tar out of me. <laughs> I am not a fighter, I'm a lover. She'd have really whipped my tail. But God, amen. And I'm not perfect, I don't, I don't live perfect, I don't, you know, there are days I don't read my Bible, I'm not always praying in tongues, I so don't think it's some religious thing, it's I know the Lord that sits on the throne of heaven, and I know he is my great I am, he's always there, he's always knowing, he never leaves me, and he always comforts me. And you, that becomes your lifestyle, you wake up and go, I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath, the devil is defeated, he's under my feet, Amen? victory belongs to me that's the authority that you walk into under the lordship of christ and so he says i only can do what the father wants me to do and what we find in scripture let's go there really quick in philippians try to find it here it is philippians says this jesus was exalted to the place of authority after the resurrection what was that his obedience and submission to the father So resurrection power comes after you obey and you're submitted, amen? So let's look at this, Philippians 2, 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, what? What do you see? Humility, submission, obedience, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What is God looking for? Your humility and obedience to his lordship. And you're like, I don't want to die to this thing. Well, you won't walk in full authority. I don't want to let go of that sin, nature, addiction. It's fine. Grace covers you. The, the cross covers you. But full dominion authority is under his lordship. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you and he's troubling your heart with behaviors and thing that, things that you need to do to obey him, we have to submit to that humble heart of the great I am. God's saying, get in the word of God. Oh, my flesh is screaming. I don't want to get in the word. <clears throat> I know your flesh screams because mine screams too. I'd rather turn on a Netflix and get to that next you know, show that's on the season or whatever it's called, episode. I understand that. But if the Holy Spirit, see, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship. Who are you? Who sent me? The great I am. It's relationship. If he's saying get rid of those friends, step away from those friends, then obey him. If he's saying, get out of that relationship of living together and get married, then obey him. It's not my job to tell you what's in your life, it's the Holy Spirit's job and your responsibility to obey him. I never had a preacher have to tell me what I should and shouldn't do, ever. Thank God I wasn't under a preacher that preached like that, I hate that sin conscious. But I believe in the conviction of the Holy Spirit And I will preach that all day long. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came into my own heart and convicted me and troubled my heart. And I could have at 20 years old and said, no, but I don't really want to lay that down, God. And not come under his lordship. And that's okay. I still have his forgiveness. I'm going to heaven. We still have grace. But I'm not walking in lordship authority. And then what happens? Well, why is it working for them over there? I'm doing the same thing they're doing. Well, maybe you're not walking in the revelation of the great I am the lordship of the Father, amen, and submitting to him in your life. So let's look at Matthew 16. What happens here, 18 through 19? I love this. So Jesus now is bringing the question to you. Moses asks God who you are, but Jesus now is asking Peter. We know at the beginning of this part of the scripture, he said, who do you say that I am? He wanted Peter to know, who do you say that I am? Well, some say you're this, some say you're the prophet, some say, that so I'm not asking you, Peter, who they say I am. Who do you say that I am? What is God trying to get? What, who do you see as God in your life? Do you see him as just Lord and God in this title? Or do you see him for who he is in a relationship? And Peter finally got it. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He had a revelation of this relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said, good, on this rock, let's look at verse 18, and on this rock, I will build my church. What was he saying? From the San, the Sanhedrin's before then, he was trying to establish a transfer of authority. The Sanhedrin's, the religious people, read the law. It was all about the law, the do's, the don'ts, the sacrifices. They were still living by that. And Jesus got to Peter's heart and said, when you know who I am, it's not about the law anymore. It's going to be about relationship. He took away the old covenant law and he said, you are the Christ. He said, on that revelation of relationship, I will build my church. He's taking away the the rules, and he's bringing to the ecclesia, the church, you, and he's saying, it's by my grace you are saved. It's by my favor and my love in your life, submitted under the great I am, now you'll walk in that relationship with me. It's not about the law. Say, it's not the law. The law cannot be fulfilled. What is the law? It's the do's and don'ts. It's if you don't read your Bible, then you, you feel like you're a failure. How can I pray if I'm not I don't even read my scripture long enough. And should we do that? Yes, please. You have to know the word of God. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying my authority doesn't come based in how I wake up one day about myself. Because you're going to wake up pretty much most of your days not feeling spiritual, not feeling like you have authority, feeling worthless and all the lies of the enemy. But that's the law. I'm under now the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm in the new covenant, a new authority that Jesus gave to me, right? So he said, this, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever the enemy throws against you, I know who he is in my life. Devil, you can't take it away from me. You can't. Ever. I remember one day I was ser- just serving Jesus, you know? And one day I knew I woke up and I crossed this line in my relationship with Jesus. And I went, there's no going back. Not that I wanted to, but you get to this place in your relationship with Jesus like this is it. I'm serving him hell or high water. People offend me, I'm gonna love and forgive them. People betray me, I'm still gonna have my open heart. The church hurts me, I'm still gonna love the church because it's the bride of Jesus Christ. There's some point you wake up and you have this revelation of Jesus in your life. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against you or your family. They will try. You know the scripture verse, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. But it doesn't mean it isn't going to form. The devil hates you. The devil hates your calling. He hates the glory of God in your life. He hates that position of authority. So he's like, if I can knock them out of their position of authority, they'll never walk in kingdom authority God's called them to walk into. They'll never see their marriage fully happy. They might, might not see their children come to Jesus. They might not have a better heritage for their children than, than you were given if the devil can knock you out of your authority. He hates that, amen? And then it goes on to say, okay, upon this rock, the revelation. Now let's, go, let's keep reading what we built on last week or first week that I taught, verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. When you have this revelation, I'm gonna give you the keys of the heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is that? Authority. That is kingdom authority. When you know the Jesus in your life through relationship When we bind and loose in prayer, we're using spiritual authority. Listen, when you bind and loose in prayer, you are counteracting the works and the strategy of Satan. You're stopping his works. You're binding them up. You're saying, you don't have a right in my life. You don't have a right in my children. You have spiritual authority. The second thing is, when you loose, you're releasing the works and the plan of Jesus into the situation. What a great exchange. Can you see it? is binding you up, I can bind it in the spirit. It's bound, and now I can loose the power of God, and God looses his will into this situation. Let me say amen. Say hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Are you listening? I was trying to distract you because I had to drink. Okay, so let's look at this. Thank you, Jesus. Let's keep going. Are you ready? Number two. It requires a personal submission and obedience to God. And we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to go a little deeper. Walking in your authority requires a personal submission and obedience to God. We rebuke him, the enemy, by using our authority. Look at James 4 7. What's it say? Therefore, submit to God. It's all about submission. Resist the devil, and what happens? He will flee from you. If you wonder why that oppression is still there, submit to God. There's an area that you haven't fully submitted to, the lordship of the great I am. You love Jesus and you know what he did on the cross, but it's going back to submitting to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. A lack of submission and obedience nullifies authority. A lack of submission and obedience nullifies your authority. Why? Because he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's it mean? If you love me, you'll obey me. It's that simple. So I believe there's things God's calling us to as church, especially the church worldwide, that we will submit ourselves to the full lordship of the Father. Amen? So let's look at an example that Jesus did. I think this is such a powerful example. I have just a few minutes left. It says John 11:41. I love this. This is the story of Lazarus right and what we see jesus do here is we see a stance where he submits to god in the spirit before he exercises his natural authority this is so powerful so let's look at this it says in john 11 41, jesus stood before the tomb and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said what did jesus he's facing lazarus who is dead and bound in the tomb and he looks up to his father he lifted up his eyes and said, to, and said, Father, I thank you for you have heard me. What did he do? He submitted to the great I am. He submitted to his father. Father, I thank you that you hear my prayers. I thank you that you know I need authority to walk in this, this victory for Lazarus, but I'm first going to submit to you in my life. He's going to recognize the Lord. And then verse 43, then it goes, but then, say, but then. See, the moment that you submit to authority, the moment that you submit to the lordship, now you can exercise your authority. But then Jesus turned and spoke to Lazarus crying with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. What was happening? When he came out of the submission, after he submitted, he came into the natural. He spoke the power and authority. He wasn't speaking here anymore. He was speaking to the situation. So when you submit to God and you submit to that great I am, now you have the voice of authority. You're not speaking from that situation. Now you have the authority in you and you're speaking out of you to the thing that is broken or dead. And so he said, Lazarus, what? Come forth. He wasn't speaking to God. This is the point I was trying to make desperately. He wasn't speaking to God. He was issuing the command of faith. Let me say that again. He wasn't speaking to God when he came out. He was issuing the command of faith. Too many of us just keep speaking to God. We keep speaking to God. We keep talking to God about the problem. We keep talking to the the title instead of the lordship. He said, now that you've submitted to me, I am God, but go exercise your authority now. So he went out and he commanded in faith, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? Lazarus came out of that grave. Jesus took authority in his life under submission to God. Demonic influences. When Peter came up and he spoke things to Jesus, Jesus recognized the spirit behind Peter. And what did he say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. I'd be so devastated if Jesus said that to me. But Jesus wasn't speaking to Peter. He was speaking with authority to the spirit that was motivating Peter. See, marriages go disarray. There's a spirit there. Quit speaking to the marriage. Take authority over the spirit. Get behind us, Satan. In the name of Jesus, you don't have my marriage. You don't have confusion. You don't have division. You start binding it, that authority of Christ, and all of a sudden, your marriage peace starts coming. You can start hearing each other's conversation. You can start talking to one another. All of a sudden, when the spirit is bound, the clarity of God comes through. What did Jesus do in authority? He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He turned the water into wine. I want you to look at Mark eleven fourteen 14 really quick. Jesus came to the fig tree that was not supposed to be bearing fruit. It was before its time. Jesus didn't tell the fig tree that it was a problem, He didn't say, oh, fig tree, you're a problem. What are you doing growing there? Let's talk about this a little bit. We want to talk about the problem. You know, let's see, why do I have this problem? Why is this going on in my life? We want to keep talking about it. And Jesus said, he didn't talk to the fig tree. He spoke to the fig tree. And he said, let no one eat from you again. And what happened? That fig tree that was a problem dried up from the roots, and nobody ate from that premature fruit again. You need some things to leave from your life. Quit talking about it. Quit talking to it. You speak to it. And you say, in the name of Jesus, you will dry up and die from the very root, and you will not produce life in my life or in my children's children's life ever again. Speak with authority to the situation. Amen? He declared what the end would be. What are we supposed to do? Declare what the end will be in your situation. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm just trying to decide if I should go on or not. Yeah? Half of you, okay. Here's some bellies growling on the other half of you. <laughs> oh, I feel like there's too much to go into it. I think I have to wait till the next week, guys. It's so deep. Listen, I want to encourage you. I gave you a lot of nuggets today. I gave you a lot of dish- little I gave you a good meal. <laughs> Take it home. Don't let this just be a good feel-good shout message. Start with lesson one. Write it down. Get it in you. Start with lesson two. Listen, I'm serving Jesus 34 years later since I gave my life to Christ. 34 years. That didn't come with some magic potion. I'm going to tell you. But I can tell you, it goes back to the day that I knew Jesus, God, was the Lord in my life. It goes back to the day that I knew I surrendered everything that I am to Jesus. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I just feel led to say this, when I gave my life to Jesus, I came into a church just like this. I was raised in a Christian family. I saw miracles in our basement. I saw demons come out of people. I saw prostitutes go in the basement to the Bible study and come out redeemed by the Lord. I seen the power of God. But God had to bring me to a place where I need to make him the Lord of my life. I couldn't ride on the on the curtails of mom and dad or, or their experiences. I had to have my own encounter with Jesus. And I remember sitting there in the back of that church, and it was like one of those demon nights where they cast out demons, <laughs> And I grew up in it. I just thought it was funny. I was kind of carnal, I guess, but I was definitely making fun of it or whatever, but uh, God used that night because I spotted a really good-looking guy at church. Listen, God works all things together for good, okay? He knows how to, he knows how to go fishing for your heart, so there was a cute guy in church, and I'm like, mm, I think I'll go back Sunday and see if I can see him again, so ended up back at church. Well, Anyway, he ended up marrying my best friend, which was really awesome, but uh, he wasn't my type anyway, so it's okay. It really wasn't, just so you know. But anyway, that doesn't mean anything to my story. But, uh, but it is a part of the story. It's just not the most important part. Listen, God will use anything, amen? Something will glitter in front of you. You'll be like, oh, okay. You don't know you're getting set up by the Holy Spirit, you know. So anyway, I'm sitting in a church service, and I tell you, The pastor just stopped, and that's why sometimes we just stop, because God can do more in a heart sometimes when we stop than we try to be just the format. And that's why we do that here. You never know what God's doing in someone. So I was sitting back there as blue pews, this color, but pews, and uh, the pastor said, why don't we just turn around and kneel and spend time with the Lord if you want to kneel or come to the altar or whatever. So I was sitting there, and uh, I thought I'm going to kneel. I had had no relationship with Jesus. You know, I grew up with all of it, but you know. And so, anyway, um, what happened was my friend came to me after service and she said, Did you give your life back to Jesus? And I'm like, oh, Yeah. <laughs> but I hadn't. I just found myself coming back to church, but I really hadn't given my life back to Jesus. How I many of you have to make that commitment? It's not just about coming to church, it's about lordship. And so. What happened was that night we were kneeling and I kept hearing her words. I was so annoyed by it, ooh, so annoyed. But the Lord began to trouble my heart. And he said, are you ready to serve me? And I didn't go hip hip hooray, it's all for Jesus. Let's just, you know, do it. No, I counted the cost. Like, the Lord really had me walk through some things. And I wasn't, like, living sinful, big, big in the world, like some crazy, huge testimony. But I had some friends I needed to get away from. I had some places I was going I didn't need to go to anymore. And, and I, I just kind of laid there. I, I sat there, and I'm like, okay, I need to change my friends. That was clear to me. I just knew the influence wasn't going to be good for me. Okay, this, we went to dry clubs back in the day. didn't have alcohol, but we went dancing. Probably can't go there anymore. And I began to weigh this lordship, and I said, okay, God, if I'm going to do this, I know I need to make these decisions because I want to just serve God for the rest of my life. I didn't want to just make an emotional thing with God. And it hasn't been perfect, and he's been maturing me and perfecting me and getting rid of garbage, and he still is doing all those things. It's a journey with the Lord. But I remember, God, I will do it. I will walk away from the friends. I'll walk away from the club, dry club. But it's still, I'll walk where he asked me for those things. I said, God, I will count the cost, and I will do it. And at 17 years old, I gave my life fully to Jesus Christ, surrendered it all. But there's a cost for lordship. Grace and salvation, that's the gift. Man, receive the gift, that's awesome. Lordship is different. It's a cost. Are you willing to be ridiculed because you stand for Jesus? Are you willing to be false accused because you stand for righteousness and the world does not right now? There are some stances that the church of Jesus needs to walk in that has to be pillars in the kingdom of Christ in this hour because that's how the church of Jesus is going to stand. God is looking for pillars, amen? And that's what we're going to teach Remnant, and that's what we're going to teach the Gen Zs that I'm pulling together. We want to teach them this lordship so that they can be the pillars in the house of the Lord. So with your eyes open, just ask the Lord, God, is there things I have not made you Lord of yet? Are there things that I'm doing and behaving and and maybe it's just bursts of anger, maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is, but the same God that spoke to my heart is the same God that can speak to your heart right now. And I'm just asking you to ask the Lord because when you learn his Lordship, when you learn to submit to him, your whole life will change. My parents came from and I'm not going to share the whole story but they came from you know dysfunctional backgrounds no Jesus alcohol abuse just all all these things and my dad made God the Lord the Lord of his life he made the Lord Lordship and because of one decision of making him Lord not just savior but Lord dealing with all the garbage his children at 4 and 5 made him Lord And I remember, listen, by my dad and mom choosing God, I was four, my brother was five. I remember walking in our house. We had been separated. God restored their marriage. And I remember walking in the house, the same house we lived in. I might have told you this before. But I was walking around the house, and I'm, I'm four. Listen, something in the spirit changes when you make him Lord of your house. And your children know it, but they don't know what it is. But they know it. And I remember looking at, like, they had a bar in the basement where they used to B-Y-O-B. And then it was B-Y-O-B, bring your own Bible. They kind of, like, sneak attacked them and won the Neighbor for for Jesus neighborhood. But I remember looking at the bar. I'm like, did that change? No. And I went in the living room. Did our furniture change? I'm four. Our furniture changed? What? No. I went from room to room. And I never got the answer until I got older. And I went the Lord came in our house. The Lord came in our house. Not just Savior, Lord. When it was bring your own booze, it was bring your own Bible. That next day, it was sitting down his friends, my dad, and telling all the guys at work, I serve Jesus and I made him the Lord of my life and they all bounced out of the room except for one guy. That's lordship. That is not being afraid to stand up for Jesus, to be bold for Jesus. And when you do that in your life, your whole atmosphere of your house will change. And guess what? My brother and I grew up and we made him Lord. And my, my, uh, my, my brother's children have grown and they've made him Lord. And now they're raising their children's children to make him Lord. This is a generational decision when you make him Lord over your life. Sometimes our decisions of righteousness aren't just for us, they're for your children and your children's children because you're breaking generational addictions and strongholds and bondages. And it doesn't mean demons need to come out. It means I'm submitting to the great I am, the I am of all the gods of this earth. I serve the great I am, that all the gods of this earth are bowing their knees to the great I am. That is the God that I serve, and that is the God that you serve. And I believe God wants to empower you in this hour to walk in that lordship. You want to talk about a church that will be just on fire for the community is when we all begin to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And where this world is going, I'm putting a series called What What in the World, because I believe we need to talk about what's going on in the world today and how does the church look in that. But I'm telling you, listen, the world needs the church to be stronger like never before. No compromise. Living according to the word of God and the righteousness of God, because the world needs to see the Lord in our life. Listen, anything else in our life will crumble. It's going to crumble. Because there is a pressure of the Antichrist spirit in the world today that will be so great that if we don't know our lordship, we will crumble under the pressure of the world and what they think we should behave like as the church. That's why the Bible says there'll be a great falling away. I would be a very unkind pastor if I didn't tell you the truth. And it's time to step under his lordship. It's time to talk like we're under his lordship. It's time to walk like we're under his lordship because God wants to show us great and mighty things in this hour, amen? Go ahead and stand to your feet. I'm going to pray with you. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. God, we know that your anointing has no space or time. Touch everyone that's watching this series, God. I thank you for everyone in this room that has had ears to hear what the Spirit has to say, God. Lord, let us not just walk away with a good message today, but God, let us walk in such authority, trouble our hearts for the things that trouble you. God, let us bring you into our homes. Let our children see us love you, serve you, receive communion, read the word of God, Lord. Let let lordship come into our home in this hour. We choose that, God. I want everyone just to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Father God, I submit to your Lordship, the great I am, over my life and my children and my children's children. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. But today, I will stand up and walk in who you've called me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a great big shout? Amen, amen. Listen, I love you all so much. Uh, Can't wait to see you Wednesday night. Wednesday nights have been amazing. Youth have service tonight at 530, so make sure you get your young people here. Have a blessed and favored day, and we'll see you Sunday or Wednesday.